Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Faith, Family, and Wrestling. I am your host with the most Buckeye pride in the nation. I am Joey, and it is so good to be here. Christmas is over. We're getting towards a new year. Everything is great. I'm excited, but it's not about me tonight. We've got a special guest with us, and I'm not going to talk about him at all. I'm going to hand it over to my co-host, Joe Tell us about you and tell us about who we got coming on with us tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Faith Family Wrestling. We are super excited. You guys already know about me, know my spiel. So I want to get this show kicked off and get this thing going. So tonight we have a very, very special guest. We have the original Mr. Wonderful. We have the three-time professional wrestling Hall of Famer. The one, the only, again, Mr. Wonderful, Rock Riddle. How are you doing today, Rock? Well, first of all, Joe and also Joey, you're very good at what you do. However, <clears throat> you're not good enough to do my introduction. So I will do it for you. Direct from his palatial estate, high in the hills of Hollywood, California, we present to you live and in person the first, the only, the original Mr. Wonderful of Professional Wrestling, the Diamond Ring. And Lamborghini Man, the man who possesses the body that men fear and women love, the intercontinental lover, the Rolls Royce of wrestling, Rock Riddle. Ah, even I am impressed with that. I am hugging myself right now. Hey, I, I have nothing to say. You... Completely blew me away with that rock. Oh, my gosh. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you guys have no idea how amazing it is and how um, how lucky we are that Mr. Wonderful took some time out of his day to go ahead and speak with us and to speak with you guys today. So um, I have goosebumps. I, well, I literally you... have goosebumps. <laughs> yes, I, I have that effect on women mostly, but I can certainly understand. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I, I got to say something, uh, Rock. That you did a great job on your promo, but I want to say there's something you missed because you're not just Rock Riddle, the original. You are also the original Rock. That's right. I was the Rock before the Rock was the Rock. I was Mr. Wonderful before, before that poor imitation imposter came along. In fact... Dwayne's mother is named Atta. Atta and I did a video. She says we did a movie together. It was actually a video because she had just finished an interview with a radio station. And I walked in and they said, oh, we're, uh, we're recording in here, uh, uh, Mr. Riddle. He said, yeah. Well, what do you want to record? You want to talk about The Rock? I was The Rock before The Rock was The Rock. Uh, and then Atta says, stop. Make sure that camera's rolling. I want this on video. She so looked at me and said, okay, go ahead. I said, I was The Rock before The Rock was The Rock, etc. I did this whole thing. And until it got to the point that she said, you are atrocious. My son is the only real rock. And I said, 
come closer when you say that. Okay, look that way. She put her cheek next to mine as I pulled her in. And as the last thought, the last statement, I said, Dwayne, your mother and I are running away together. And that was the end. She did that as a, we did that as a joke. It really, I have it on, do I have it on Facebook somewhere? I have it on social media somewhere. There's tons of videos on me that I've done and other people have done about me and with me. Uh, but she sent that to her famous son. And I've not gotten the response from him so far. Hmm. I beat up his father. I beat up his grandfather when I was a little kid. Interesting stuff. Okay, do you have questions for me? Otherwise, I will ask myself questions because my questions that I ask of myself will be infinitely greater than anything that you could ask anyway. <laughs> and then well, here's, probably here's have what I want to ask. You, so, before you, before you were just The Rock, before you were The Rock before The Rock, you actually were Hollywood before Hollywood Hulk Hogan. You were doing movies and the wrestler transferred over into Hollywood writing books, producing movies, being in TV shows. You were doing all that before anyone else was. Tell us a little bit about that. How many hours or days do we have? <laughs> First of all, I would like to compliment you, Joey. You actually did your homework. You have more knowledge about me than most people who interview me. So if I could be impressed, I would be impressed. I'm slightly impressed with that. So you want to know about the Hollywood business. I did the wrestling before I did the Hollywood movies. So I started as a professional wrestler. Do you want to know how I started? Then you asked me the question, Rock, how did you get started in professional wrestling? Okay, go ahead. Rock, how did you get started in, in professional wrestling? Try it again. Take two. Yeah. Rock, how did you get started in professional wrestling? I don't remember. Next question. Okay, here's how I got started. <laughs> You see, we have to have fun with everything. Every day above ground is a good day. Yes, sir. Every day is another opportunity to have fun and to see the humor in everything. Look at the ridiculous stuff that's going on on this planet right now. Wow. Talk about <laughs> major fraud and manipulation and psychops and everything else so you can get caught up in it and or you could get scared or you can just take charge and say isn't this interesting and if you could see me you would see the beautiful smile on my face it's just like when i sat down with john mercedes the third who was a manager in Hollywood, Charlene Tilton's manager, and he owned the Barrymore estate for a while. Maybe he rented it, but he was the occupant of one of the Barrymore mansions. And we did events there. I was sitting down there. He asked me, John Mercedes, J-O-N, Mercedes III. He said, Rock, come over. Come down here to my desk, and I've got an idea. And he had another friend with him. And he started attempting to manipulate me into giving him answers that he wanted me to say. And I just sat back and smiled at him. He said, this doesn't work on you, does it? I said, no, but you're very good. So he withdrew. He talked, 
changed subjects totally and then snuck back in from another area to try to manipulate me again. I just smiled at him again. He says, I give up. I said, good. We've saved some time and we've had fun. So how I became a professional wrestler. I was a this is this will be in my book, which is called Simply Wonderful. That's part of the title. You'll find out the rest of the title if you go to rockriddle.info. I'm pretty sure I have my book on there, my book cover. If you look hard and long enough, you'll find it. If not, you'll find it when it comes out. You'll see it in hopefully April. I have so many things that are keeping me so busy, and I'm not giving a super high priority to that book at the moment. However, I am still keeping in mind that I want an April deadline for it to be complete. Hmm. I was in high school. I weighed about 128 pounds. I was very shy. I sat in the back of the class. One of the greatest fears was that the teacher would call on me and I would have to answer a question audibly, verbally, aloud. And that would be terrifying. But the thing that would be most terrifying would be if the teacher called on me and said, Rock, come to the, come to the front of the class and answer this question because I knew I would be physically dead before I got to the front of the class. That's how shy Rock Riddle was to show you how amazing this transition was. Now, the teacher, I'm 14 years old. The teacher is late coming into the class. All the kids are throwing things and they're doing what rotten brat kids do. This was in North Carolina. And so I will do the accent as I'm sharing the story with you. They were talking about two wrestlers, Rip Hawk and Swede Hansen, two of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time. Rip Hawk was the booker, the, a promoter for Jim, 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 Jim Crockett. Oh, man, how amazing he was. Anyway, they were saying, and Rip Hawk and Sweet Hands and them bunch of scumbags, they ought, to be, they ought to be kicked out of wrestling. You know, they said we's a bunch of ignorant dirt farmers. I think, it, shoot, I'd like to go out and run over my truck. I, I, I tell you, I really would. They hated these two people. I did not, I was not familiar with professional wrestling. I had never seen a professional wrestling match. But they said they had such hatred for these two people that I thought, well, on Saturday, they have wrestling on. Saturday morning, 11 o'clock on Channel 11. So I sat down in the middle of my living room on this oriental rug after I had physically changed the channel to Channel 11. I know a lot of people won't understand what that means. You used to have to walk over to the television and change the channel physically. Really? Riddle, Riddle's lying. He, we never did that. Yes. <laughs> Do you know how to open a can? Without a can opener? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, you do because you're bright. I mean, you're bright enough yeah. to have me on your show. You need some ratings, and here I am to woo, send you up into the stratosphere. So I was sitting there, <laughs> and I watched. There were two good guys. Charlie Harville was the 
Oh, he was legend around there. Charlie Harville was the news announcer on the local television, and he was the announcer for the wrestling. This was live. This was not a six-second delay, not a 10-second delay. Literally, I say it, boom, and it's there. Or the person says it, and it's it's on the air. Mm -hmm. I watched Johnny Becker and, no, George Becker and Johnny Weaver. The two good guys, the sweetie pies, the people everyone loved. And they had a lady on there who was my age. This girl was maybe, maybe 15. I was thinking maybe she's 14, around my age. And she was the president of their fan club. And she had a couple of other people with her about that same age who were members or officers maybe of that fan club. And I'm in awe. I looked at that and I said, that's an ordinary person. That person's not a television star. How did an ordinary person get on television? Ordinary people can't get on television. And then I watched as live this young lady presented her heroes, George Becker, former world champion, and Johnny Weaver, a plaque of appreciation and an old-fashioned plastic big radio. I said, wow. This is amazing. And then someone walks over. This man, man is bigger than life, bleached blonde hair, sun tan. And he had an aura and an energy and a charisma about him that made me pay attention. He walked over and he says, hey, Weaver. Johnny Weaver looks questioningly at Rip Hawk. And Rip says, hey, Weaver, that... Uh, you got a fan club. I just wanted to say congratulations on your award there, you whatever the plaque thing is. He says, could I see your gift? <coughs> Johnny Weaver is very hesitant. And, and Rip says, I'd just, just like to see what they gave you. So very reluctantly, Johnny Weaver hands this radio over to Rip Hawk who takes it in both hands, raises it high above his head, slams it to the concrete, breaks it into about 100 pieces, and then stomps on what's left. And then this melee ensued, and I was hooked. I was hooked on professional wrestling. I saw the incredible joy that this man, Rip Hawk, had. I saw him, from my point of view, he was doing everything he could to stop himself from smiling because he had such joy that people hated him <laughs> so badly. They really did. I mean, I thought as a kid, I, I don't get any attention. I just sort of hide and stuff like that. I would like to have attention. I, I, I have a strange sense of humor. What should I do? What, how could I get attention? Well, who's, who's the most hated people around? Uh, Adolf Hitler, well, they hate him, but not nearly as much as they hate Rip Hawk and Sweet Hansen. I said, great, <laughs> I'll start a fan club for Rip Hawk and Sweet Hansen. So I did. And I had, <laughs> yes. You started a fan club for the bad guys? Of course. Oh, wow. <laughs> See, I never had a strong role, male role model. And now I, I had role models, Rip Hawk, Sweet Hansen. I mean, they're cocky, they're condescending, they're arrogant. Obviously, they would be my role models. Right? Of course. Yeah. I had <laughs> I had a fan club cards printed, and the motto was fair, square, modest, and honest. To me, that's extremely 
extremely humorous because it's so far <laughs> away from what they were. They represented everything negative, which I thought was fantastic. Now, I'll sort of fast forward a little bit. I was at the Greensboro Coliseum, first time ever in person for a wrestling match. I'm standing with a couple of my little friends, and we're near the dressing room doors to see where the wrestlers go in and out. And we, we thought maybe it's like we're going to see a movie star going in here, or going to see one of the wrestlers, and I'll see how maybe I'll even see Rip Hawk and see how much bigger than life he really is. So I'm standing there, and I have my little fan club card out. When the announcer comes over, he's a television announcer also. And he was announcing that night. And he says, uh, what do you have there? I said, um, well, sir, it's, a, it's a, car, a car. And he, by that time, it's in his hand. He says, oh, Rip Hawk, Sweet Hanson Fed Fan Club. He says, uh, do you mind? I'll, I'm, I'm gonna, actually, I'm going to take this down and show it to Rip. And I panicked. I'm sure I must have turned even paler white than I was like the blood draining out of my face as I thought, I don't know if this Rip Hawk guy, this great big professional wrestler, one of the best ever in this business, I don't know if he has a sense of humor. He's going to see the card. He may be really angry at me. And I was thinking, do I run or do I stay here? And I wasn't really sure. And then Rip Hawk comes out of the dressing room. Oh, my gosh. And I'm looking over at him, and he comes up to me. He says, hey, kid. I said, yes, sir. This fan club thing. Yes, sir. You serious about that, kid? Well, well, well sir. Because I... if you're serious, I'll help you. I'll get you pictures of Sweden myself. I didn't know what to say. It's like nobody ever accepted me. Nobody was ever good to me. And here's... Here's my ultimate hero role model and for real, the most influential person ever in my life. And I thankfully was able to tell him that before he passed away. I think he knew it anyway. My, man, he, I had no life up until I discovered professional wrestling. So it's, it's not a stretch to say Rip Hawk gave me life. He introduced me to the wrestling business, which is a, the most wonderful business, the most wonderful life, way of life that could ever be. I'm talking to Rip Hawk now a little while later, maybe a year or two later. And... At the Greensboro Coliseum again. And Rip says, hey, kid. He said, yep. I was a much more confident then. I'm still a shy kid. But he said, and I still weighed about 130 pounds. He says, uh, what do you want to be when you grow up, kid? I said, well, I'm not really sure. He says, you want to be a wrestler? Is it? A wrestler, I only have to gain like 110 pounds to be a, one of the smaller wrestlers at that time. He says, think you could do it, kid? I said, well, I, he says, I think you can do it. My personal hero, the most influential person in my life, the greatest professional wrestler, if I had to pick one, he would certainly be in the top, he's my number one, he'd be in the top three or four of all time. 
and he's an expert. Nobody knew wrestling like Rip Hawk knew wrestling. That's why he was the booker. That's why he was so would get, went all over the world. That's why he was so successful. And he thought that I could make it. Who was I to argue with him? On my 16th birthday, I told people, and I made the decision, I'm going to become a professional wrestler. And again, weighed about 100. Let's see, 16, I think I was wrestling, had started amateur wrestling, or maybe I started that year, 138-pound weight class. Uh, I think it was. Finally got up after, in another year, to 145-pound weight class. <clears throat> but... There I was, 16 years old, made the decision, I will become a professional wrestler. And I told people, and they laughed at me. In fact, I'll give you one story. I'm sitting in North Carolina in a barber shop in a place called Graham, North Carolina. It's actually, it looks like an outhouse that's been built on to the side of a house. And that it has one barber chair in it. So I'm in there getting a haircut. And I just happened to tell the barber, I'm going to be a professional wrestler. Again, this is in North Carolina. He says, boy, you know, that's a pipe dream. You ain't going to never be no wrestler. You'd have to gain over 100 pounds. Your bone structure's too small. Shoot, you ought to, you ought to just settle down a little bit there. You're pretty uppity for a little Little kid, you know, you ought to get, you ought to do like your daddy. You ought to, I mean, he's been working in a drugstore since he's like 14. He's going to have his house paid for another eight years. And sure, he ain't, ain't no pharmacist or nothing. He's just like a soda jerk. But he's, I mean, hell, heck, you got everything you want right here in the county. I don't know why anybody want to leave. And he said, okay, well, if I wanted to grow tobacco or make hosiery at Burlington Mills, maybe I would be satisfied there. I laughed at him. He had no idea what he had just done. You see, I did not say, maybe I will become a professional wrestler. I made the determination that I will be a professional wrestler. People who laughed at me, I laughed back harder at them. I had no plan B because there was no plan B. Failure was not an option. I never had any doubt. When I decide I'm going to do something, I do it. No one can stop me but me, and I wasn't going to stop myself. Five years later, I had already started wrestling. I made it a point between territories to do a match in my old hometown. I wrestled George Becker. Remember George Becker from the story? Band club? Okay. George Becker. The joke there was, you don't know who George Becker is? What's the matter, boy? You don't go to church on Sunday? <laughs> <laughs> yes, because so he was almost like a deity people thought of. He was, he was so loved. And I hope, I hope that, that didn't come across as too bad, but that's the way, that was my perception. I had wrestled him, main event. I beat him, dastardly tactics that I used, of course. Beat him in the middle of the ring caused a little bit of a riot there. The police had called out to the neighboring counties for assistance. They thought it was going to get out of hand. I had it in hand. I knew what I was doing. I had learned how to control the riotous situations by not being able to control them during the early part of my career because it's very easy for me to have people hate me. I did an incredibly good job 
had guns taken away from people. I would chase people with knives who had pulled knives on me. I would chase them into a hostile crowd, take the knives away from them. Don't think I would try anything like that now, but now it's probably less likely that it would happen. On the street, yes. In the wrestling profession, probably not. So, made the front page of the newspaper for that part of the state. I think it's the second largest newspaper. Uh, the next day, I went to the barber again. Same barber. I sat in the barber chair. I weighed 236 pounds of twisted steel and sex appeal. An 18 and a half inch arm, cold, natural. He knew what had happened. The whole town, the whole state knew what had happened the night before. He was standing behind me. I was looking in one of the mirrors. I could see him. He had his clippers and I don't know what you call those other things. Um, shears. Shears. Okay. Shears and clippers. Okay. He had two things. Right. Shears because that's what you use on a sheep. So, okay, I got it. Thank you. And he just held them. And then he put them down and he walked in front of me. And he says, boy, uh, I, I, I almost don't believe it, but, but I, golly, I never, you done it. I mean, shoot, I, I don't think nothing's impossible no more. And I said, bingo. It's only impossible if you think it's impossible. I can tell you lots of stories. I could tell you a story about, no, well, I'll do one more about that same night. How's that? Okay. You see, I can see you, and I can see the, your smiles on your faces, and I can see you chomping at the bits. Please, Rock, please, please do that. There were knives pulled on me. I just defeated everyone's hero and did not do it in a clean, nice guy, sweetie pie way. I was one of my dastardly deeds. I, uh, there's a, a, th Tall, thin, African-American gentleman there. And he was great. He, old guy. He was fun because he had a cane. And probably because, he, I'm almost positive, because he used it to help him walk. He's old, older. As I'm, and, and he's really getting into this thing. He loves George Becker, hates me, of course. As I'm coming out, he raises the cane. He's not going to do anything with that cane, but as a wrestler, I see opportunity. <clears throat> so I walk, I took a step and a half in his direction. When I did, he must have felt threatened. Here's this 235-pound professional wrestler who just beat the ex-world champion who's coming toward him because he has a cane raised. So he came down with his cane. When he did, I did a karate power block with my left arm, broke the cane over my arm, which I knew would happen. And then I placed my right hand delicately on his chest and helped him to sit down. The newspaper said I knocked him over eight rows of seats, but I, I actually, I believe I just helped him sit down a little bit. Now I'm in the dressing room. This is at the National Guard Armory. The dressing room is sort of a basement type situation. You can see the outside through the window, but you'd have to, the window, 
you'd have to go through the window. And if you did, the window touches the ground outside. And I heard a knock on the door. Uh-oh. Who's knocking on the dressing room door? Police department. I said, okay, I just knocked this guy over. Uh, this old guy, I just knocked him down. And do I go out the window and run? Or do I face it? Do I spend the night in jail? Which is better for the business? Spending the night in jail is a bunch better for the business. I'll do interviews. It will be great. Always protecting the business. I said, let them in. So this one officer, I think a sergeant, he walked up to the door. There were two others behind him. He says, Mr. Riddle? I said, yeah. He said, this uh, guy out here with a cane? I said, yeah. He said, the guy who hit you with a cane? I said, yeah. He says, what do you want us to do with him? I said, excuse me? <laughs> he says, what, what do you want us to do with him? Do you want to file charges? It's <laughs> <laughs> see, as I'm reliving it, you can imagine if you could see me now. And I said, no, I'll tell you what. He didn't, he meant no harm. Uh, just scare him a little bit and let him go. Okay, thank you, sir. Close the door. <laughs> I, I went down to the ground and said, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. That was fantastic. <laughs> so I got my newspaper story. I got that in the story. Uh, he has something to talk about. He's probably no longer with us now, but for the rest of his life, he had something to talk about. And... Uh, it it was good. It was good. Then I went on to wrestle all over the United States and every, virtually every legend you can name, I've wrestled them. And you, most of them, between dozens and hundreds of times. So I'm, I'm very fortunate. It was very strange at the time. People, for example, someone said it to me a few years back. They said, Brock, did you ever wrestle Jimmy Superfly Snooker? And I said, I don't know. I, we never paid any attention to who we wrestled. We generally didn't see them until from they're coming at us from the other side of the arena. If we see a poster with a name on it, we don't know who it is a lot of times. Because we, we don't watch the television. We're on the road all the time. We don't stop and go somewhere and turn on the television and see the wrestling. So, uh, yeah, Snuka sort of is pretty well known so I would say if I had to give you a yes or no, did I ever wrestle this guy before? I would say no. Three weeks later, at my Hollywood office, 6464 Sunset Boulevard in Hollywood, southwest corner of Sunset in Wilcox, I was in my office. The mail came. There was this little package, and I opened it. It was a DVD of a wrestling match, Rock Riddle versus Jimmy Superfly Snooker in the Cow Palace in San Francisco. Oh, wow. And I said, okay, yeah, I, I do vaguely remember that. I probably, I must have wrestled this guy several times. And I do remember some guy flying off the top rope on me. <laughs> <laughs> but we never paid that much attention. It, we didn't think it was a big deal. And then it was Terry Funk who said, this has been a long time, long, long time ago. Terry Funk said, you know, someday 
we're going to be like rock stars. And we, we said, sure, sure, Terry. <laughs> yeah. We're going to be like, rock. You're gonna, he says, you wait, we'll be like rock stars. Well, he was partially right. We went way beyond rock star status. Mm-hmm. I was talking with uh, Sly Stallone after Sly had gotten an Academy Award for Rocky. I used to work out with Sly. And that's another story. I have so many things that I could share with you, but uh, Sly Stallone wanted me to work in a movie. And uh, it was going to be called Hell's Kitchen. Then he changed the title. He changed the fact from him doing a wrestling character because he was afraid he would get hurt working with real wrestlers. So he hired uh, Lee Cantolino to play the wrestler. And then Sly played the brother. Anyway, in the gym... Sly, Sly was always happy, always good. To, we worked out together and we had people convinced that we were going to come to blows at any time until we couldn't keep a straight face anymore. But uh, Sly said, uh, he was looking serious this one day and he says, Rock, I, I, I got to ask you something. I said, what's that? He said, uh, you know, I'm on the cover of all the magazines and I would go to the White House and all that stuff. And, I'm, and uh, I'm in Texas. Lampton, Texas with Terry Funk. We were like walking down the street and we're in public and people, they rush us and they push me out of the way to get to Terry. I said, and Sly, you want to know why that is? He says, yeah. I said, Sly, you are only a movie star. Terry Funk is real. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? And it's true. And it's absolutely true. Yes. And I think if Sly could do it over, and if he were a little larger, that he would like to, he would have rather been a professional wrestler. Great, extreme sense of humor that he had. Anyway, your turn. Ask me questions. Otherwise, right. I'll take over to ask myself other questions. No, that's fine. Uh, and I'll answer them brilliantly. <laughs> so, everything you've accomplished, and I know you've do, you do everything um, from guest spots with uh coming to the you know like jesse hernandez's school of hard knocks and working with the the younger wrestlers and teaching them um sharing your knowledge with them yes so but i do know or well i kind of have a, an idea that you have a pet peeve with some of the newer wrestlers what is your take on wrestlers wearing tennis shoes and kick pads instead of wrestling boots well first of all you are incorrect okay people wearing uh Tennis shoes are not wrestlers. Professional <laughs> wrestlers wear professional wrestling boots. So I don't know. If you're going to be a cowboy, uh, wear tennis shoes on the horse. That's fine. You're not a cowboy. Right. Being in a wrestling ring doesn't mean that you're a wrestler. And that goes for all of the gear, right? As far as, you know, you're, you you're see either some professional. Guys... Yeah, you're either professional oh, or you're not. Stepping into that squared circle mm-hmm. is an honor. Every time, and I've done it for decades, mm-hmm. and I've done it in major arenas all over. I sold out or helped to sell out major arenas all over the United States and up into Canada. Every time I step into the ring, it is an absolute honor and a privilege for me to do so. Stepping into that ring is stepping onto sacred ground, and you earn the right to do that. You don't simply pay for it. You pay for training and you think you're a wrestler. You're not a wrestler. 
I have respect for anyone who can climb into that ring and wrestle in front of an audience. And I figure by, if you, if you, this is a plural you, not you specifically, mm-hmm. but anyone who's listening, if it applies to you, fine. Until you have wrestled a few hundred matches and been paid for a few hundred matches and done a few hundred promos, interviews, if you will, and you've done so in front of thousands of people. In, in other words, a decent house, mm-hmm. a decent promotion. Until that point, I don't know that I would call you a wrestler because that term is earned. I've had people who, when they recognize me, they say, oh, I, I wrestled. And I had somebody at one of my seminars. I had a couple people at seminars. And I teach a lot of seminars, a lot of webinars on a lot of different things. This one person at an acting seminar, Accelerated Success, the Business of Acting. Mm-hmm. He he says, yeah, I, I wrestled. I wrestled uh, in, in wherever, Wisconsin. And I said, stand up. Come up here. Tie up with me. And I said, go sit down. Don't you ever say that you wrestled before. You don't know how to tie up. I had Mm. two people who said that. They don't know how to tie up. You don't know how to tie up. You haven't even taken your first lesson. Or you did so in such a way you have no idea how to do that. It's too sacred. I don't know another way to say it. It's too special. It's unique. And I think... On the whole, and you mentioned Jesse Hernandez School of Hard Knocks. It's one of the very, it's one of the few elite schools where where I would be there to help people. And I do that at other places also. A lot of the wrestling schools are run by people who uh, never were successful in the business. So that's like me saying, oh, you want to be a brain surgeon? Well, pay me $1,000 a month. I'll teach you how to be a brain surgeon. By the way, I've never, I'm not a doctor. By the way, I've, I've never been to medical school. And uh, no, I, I never cut open a cadaver or actually I missed in biology. I'm, I skipped the day where you're supposed to cut the frog because I couldn't do that either. But I'm going to charge you $1,000 a month to teach you to be a brain surgeon. Hmm. Rather ridiculous go ahead ask me another question well let me let okay, me ask you you've had too much time to ask a question so i will ask it of myself <laughs> rock riddle you are so incredibly <laughs> handsome you must have been a beautiful baby am i right well not really i was sort of plain looking well how did you become so handsome well when i was a kid i heard one of these tony robbins type people say look in the mirror and say i'm handsome and say it with conviction so I did. And the first time I said it, I said, you liar. You're not. You're like ugly. But I said, oh, no, no. I have to say it with conviction. You're handsome. You're handsome. And my gosh, it wasn't long before I actually saw how incredibly handsome I was. And every day I look better than I did the day before. If ever there is a day when I'm not better than I was the day before, then something is wrong. If there's ever a day where I don't learn something, something is wrong, and that's a wasted day, and I don't waste time. Well, I will say not wasting time and not wasting days, you have learned many different ways to win a match. Um, 
some more creative than others and some a little more dastardly than others. But what is your favorite favorite way that you've ever won a match? Is there anything that you've <laughs> you've gone back and gone, oh, I remember when I did that? Uh, I remember when I had my valet gold digger. And if you don't know who gold digger is, take a look at some of my social media. You'll find her in there. So gold digger was at ringside with her, <laughs> with, with her glass of champagne, of course. And I'm wrestling at a certain point where she thought it might be necessary. She's, stood on the ring apron, whereupon the referee went over to see if he could get a closer look at her and, <laughs> and knew that he needed to get her down from ringside. And then when, when he finally was able to pull his attention from her, I got his attention. And the opponent got a got two eyes full of champagne, whereupon I, I did a schoolboy, took him down and defeated him, pinned him one, two, three. And you might say, well, Rock Riddle, what, didn't you do a low blow before you did the schoolboy? No, I totally deny that. <laughs> well, because that would be illegal, right? Like that, that would be an underhanded way to win. Well, so. um, let, me, let me say this. <laughs> a philosophy I learned early on in my wrestling, in the wrestling business. Mm -hmm. Win if you can, lose if you must, but always cheat. Oh man! You you said before you've got a long list of people you've wrestled. Some of them you remember, some of them you don't. But who is one of the most memorable wrestle wrestling matches you've ever had? Like who who Pat do you Patterson. remember back and just was your favorite Pat, to wrestle? Pat Patterson. Pat, Pat Patterson. Patterson uh, left us not long ago. Mm -hmm. Still sad, very sad. Uh, years ago, Pat Patterson introduced me to people in the wrestling business whom I had not met before. And this was in Las Vegas. And uh, actually, I think it was 2007, because he presented an award to me, the real R-E-E-L honoree award, which Sly Stallone got and Kirk Douglas and so many other people. So I'm telling you about 2007. Pat Patterson introduced me. He says, this is Rock Riddle. This is the original Mr. Wonderful of professional wrestling. I had some of the best matches of my career with this man. The first time Pat Patterson said that, I'm looking blank, a blank stare. I'm staring at him. I'm waiting for the punchline. And there's no punchline. <laughs> And then I'm looking for something upon which to hold on, to hold, because it's like, it's sincere. Mm -hmm. And I, then he introduced me that way in front of 600 people when he gave me the award and uh, introduced me that way to other people. And I said, Pat, I just want to tell you, that's the greatest compliment. You made my day, my week, my month, my year, my life. It's the greatest compliment probably I've gotten my entire life. He says, well, it's just because it's true. <laughs> uh, wow, when I would go, <laughs> yeah, when I would go to towns, uh, we would get a booking slip usually once a week and it would tell us where it seems like we would get them on a Wednesday. It was tell us where we we're going to be the following week. 
And I would drive, it would just have a city name on it. Wouldn't say the building, wouldn't have phone numbers, wouldn't say who the opponent is. None of that matters anyway, not to a true professional. It would say, say, let's say San Jose, California. Mm -hmm. Well, in that case, I knew where the building was. But when I would get into town, I would pull in, gas up, look for a poster in the window and see whose name was on it. And if it says Rock Riddle versus Luthez, I would say, okay, I eat mm -hmm. after the matches tonight. If it says Rock Riddle versus Pat Patterson, I said, okay, good. I can get something to eat before the matches. And we'll go out and do a 45-minute match, a draw. I remember doing these several times. 45 minutes, and he could not wow. pin me. And I wasn't happy, so I asked for 15 more minutes, and we'd win another 15 just great stuff, tear the house down. And it was like poetry in motion. Most of the legends were that way. M most of the legends were really, really wonderful. When you work with true, and I mean underline that word, word and put it in bold, true professionals, it's, it's beyond reality. It goes into a, a plane that's higher that is difficult to explain mm -hmm. but yeah the, the answer to your question pat patterson but i've wrestled i've wrestled them all so a follow-up question to, to your yes. story is um you mentioned if you wrestled pat you'd be able to eat early if you wrestled yes. fez later why like what was the reasoning behind that because i was afraid of luthez because of the reputation he had and I figured if he wants to give me uh, a match, he can, he would make me uh, exhausted. He would make me, so I <sighs> could just be out of gas, out of breath, out of gas, out of breath, like it hit the brick wall. And yeah. if I had st something in my stomach at that time, that would not help. And I don't right. want to get sick in the ring. Uh, however, Luthez was one of the greatest wrestlers, obviously, of all time. Mm -hmm. And I had some really, really good matches with Luthez. He was at the tail end of his career. I was at the very beginning of mine. And when I first heard I was wrestling Luthez in Nashville, Tennessee, mm -hmm. I said, oh, gosh. All right. Am I ready? Yeah. Okay. The, the wrestling ring is my home. I will be fine. I have the honor to wrestle one of the best there ever was in this business. And it turned out to be just such a beautiful match because I'm working, I'm wrestling someone again. It is so incredibly good. I, I don't like, well, I prefer not to wrestle people who are not as good as me. So that means there's not a lot to wrestle. I like to. <laughs> no, so that's I, why you haven't been in the ring in a, in a little bit, huh? Uh, a year ago, April, it's been yeah. close to two years. I will probably go back in the ring again in April next year. And I can't say who I've been talking with and trying to get a deal with to, to be my opponent. Um, I mean, I could hint and say the man is a beast, but that's about all I could say. <laughs> ah, 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 do I see looks of really, <laughs> really? Could it be? I'm not telling you, not going to tell you. No more information. 
than that. Everything I do, I want to be, I want to do it with people who are way better than me mm-hmm. so that I have to stretch. If I'm doing something in front of the camera, uh, Hollywood, I don't, I have two to three producers in an average month who ask me if I'd like to be in their film or television projects. I don't have that in my blood. I've got wrestling in my blood. I turn them down whenever humanly possible. And I have a lot of friends in that business. So if they say, Rock, I need you to do this. Uh, can't you find anybody else? No, nobody else can do it. You lie every, a lot of, I mean, a lot of great actors out there. Rock, I want you to do it. Okay, fine. Hmm. So when I'm rest, uh, when I'm acting, I want to be around people who are so much better than me so that I have to stretch. And then when I have people who come back and pay me compliments who are so much better and they have no reason to pay me a compliment if it's not sincere, then that really means a lot. People don't care how much you know. They want to know how much you care. Right. Yep. I'd say with, with everything you've accomplished and, and you've had a chance to just have a plethora of experience within the wrestling community, Hollywood community, everything, um, if there's somebody who was interested in getting into the wrestling business and somebody who has that passion, has that drive, what would be your um, your first bit of advice for them? You know, What advice would you give of somebody who wanted to, to get into the wrestling world? I would probably interview that person if they told me that i would ask them the questions and see if they had the right answers i would probably tell them i might tell them like if you ask me i would say well what are you five nine five ten you're a little small for this business aren't you and then see what you say and i know now there's people coming in who like were five feet tall i think yes no excuse me this is uh this is not uh, horse racing. This is professional wrestling. Uh, you need to have some size on you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll put you with short sleeve Samson and see where, where that leads. Oh, okay. You know who short sleeve Samson is. Great guy. Uh, yeah. Midget wrestler. Yeah. And we're still we're still able to say midget for midget wrestlers, by the way. So anyone who doesn't like it, I don't care. <laughs> oh, you offended me. I don't care. Terry Cole Whitaker wrote a book years ago. I never read it. Didn't need to. All I do now is share the title with people. And the title of that book is What You Think of Me is None of My Business. If you don't like me, it's your problem. It's not mine. If I don't like you, that's my problem. Don't make it your own. If I offer you a gift and you turn that gift down, who does the gift belong to? It still belongs to me. If I offer you an insult and you do not accept it, who does the insult belong to? It still belongs to me. Mm -hmm. Oh, what will people say if if I do this? What will people say if you follow your dream? They'll say you're stupid. They'll say you'll never make it. They'll say a lot of things because you're a threat to them because you have the courage to go for your dream and they don't. And it's like you holding up a mirror to them. And they they would rather pull you down than support you. So I would ask them different questions. Why do you want to wrestle? Do you know the odds? And I would see what they had to say. And if the person truly has the passion, and I would tell them the way it used to be in the good old days. Mm-hmm. You go for an audition. You go for a tryout. Yeah, you go for a tryout. And you leave with a broken bone. 
when that broken bone heals, you go back for another tryout if you really have the passion and you'll get hurt again. Go back a third time with the right attitude and the appreciation, the, an attitude of gratitude that they're seeing you for a third time. If they really, really like you and you really are good, they may uh, have you wrestle for about six months or so and then pull you aside and start training you. Hmm. And you always protect the business. I still protect the business. I was at, uh, well, should I tell you this? Can I say this? Yeah, okay, I'll tell you this. We were talking about uh, Jesse Hernandez and the School of Hard Knocks, which is, and I know Jesse, I have lunch with he and his wife, probably an average of once a month. And, uh, you know, it's his turn to buy next time, in case you're listening, Jesse. <laughs> they were doing... I would love to be a third wheel on uh, on one of those lunches just to listen to you guys. Well, I do record them all, but nobody knows that. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, they were doing a radio. The newspaper, the largest newspaper around, was doing a story on Jesse Hernandez School of Hard Knocks, the wrestling school. Mm-hmm. So Jesse wanted me because I have somewhat of a name in this industry. And because I'm a good trainer, he wanted me to be there in the position of trainer while the interview, while the reporters there, the photographers there. I'm in the ring in my suit, business suit. And uh, the photographer is near the stairs going up to the ring. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's like asking for specific things. And he said, do that phony kick do that fake kick again. And I found myself halfway out of the ropes before I realized where I was in his, toward him. Right. And then when I realized that I said, no, you don't want to do that. You, 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 (laughs) they're doing a story and you're going to change the story a lot. It's going to be a very negative story. And then before I got back into the ring, this photographer was reaching up as though he was going to help me down the stairs. Now I'm irritated. You're you're like saying, oh, let me help you down the stairs because you're not a little kid like these people in the ring. Really? You're going to infer that I'm old? Oh, you are in trouble. He reached up. He was going to actually, I could tell, I had pulled my arm away, but he was going to take my wrist. So it was his right hand and my right hand, Mm -hmm. because I'm coming out with my left hand on the turnbuckle. And so I said, okay, I will, in my own head, okay, I will allow him to do that. When he grabbed me by the wrist, I took my left hand, I put it on top of his anchoring his hand to my wrist so he could not take it off. I took my right hand, went around his wrist, turned his wrist sideways, and just put a tiny bit of pressure on it as I walked down the stairs, and he's on his knees. And he said, oh, and he said, oh, oh, ow, oh, ow, ow. (laughs) Oh, look at this. Look at the fake photographer. (laughs) 
yeah, look at him being fake and going down on his knees like he's walking on his knees. Isn't that funny, guys? Then I looked over at Jesse Hernandez, the promoter, and I said, okay, Jesse, I may have just alienated this man forever. And Jer- Jesse's, his expression was totally noncommittal. I can read people very easily. And it was like, <laughs> he, he's, I think he was saying to me, no one's going to see an expression on my face. I'm just going to have a blank, blank stare. No one's going to going to read anything into this and then later on at lunch a few days later i was i brought it up because there were four of us at lunch and then i see the big smile on his face and the article (laughs) came out very nicely so now i will say this there is a facebook site called snake pit pro Yes. It is only for professional wrestlers and vetted professional wrestling students. There are 3,130 members of that organization. I am on every Wednesday for two hours. I go on from 5 o'clock Pacific, usually until 7, 7, 15 Pacific Standard Time. Mm-hmm. And I talk about the wrestling business to professional wrestlers. I use terminology they understand. And I answer questions like you asked me about young wrestlers who do not have the correct attitude. Mm -hmm. If I'm training, that attitude will be adjusted right there. And I don't care. I don't care what the promoter thinks. I don't care what anybody thinks. And I don't, I've never intentionally seriously injured anyone but i will i have no problem at all having the person saying i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry i said excuse me what did you say i'm sorry i'm sorry let me go please i'm sorry i said did you in front of all these people did you want to say i'm sorry rock yes i'm sorry okay get out of the ring when your attitude is right, come back in. And just watch them. You come back into the ring, you wipe your feet on the apron before you come into that ring. You show respect. Wanted to bring up real quick just some of the books you have coming out. I know you're a private guy. What got you what got you into the idea of putting some of these books out, going deeper into your life, letting letting the curtain down? All right, we're talking about, let's see if, if I can pull this up on my little computer system here. Well, you've got your Simply Wonderful coming out, and yes. then Rock yeah, Riddle, and, My Pro Wrestling Life coming out soon. I've got or a few things. The book, Simply Wonderful, is the title. The subtitle is as follows. The Choice, Serial Killer, Suicide, or Legend. And then there's a quote from me. It says, welcome to my universe, an intimate and brutally honest autobiography by professional wrestling's original Mr. Wonderful, Rock Riddle. If life is worth living, it's worth writing down. I looked at my life as not being all that amazing. 
professional wrestling, when all, all the legends were wrestling, we looked at it. We didn't look at it as something earth-shattering. And it became sort of earth-shattering. And we became those rock star type people. The, my life has been very interesting. Our time is coming close to an end. Um, is there any one last thing to wrestlers, to people, to anyone that you would like to give, whether empowering or just, just for our fans out there, one last thing you would like to say to everyone? I will say this also, as I mentioned before, every day above ground is a good day. Be grateful for every day that you're above ground. Uh, let's see. Yes, you can have it all. And no matter what happens, you can you can excel. Be willing to bend. And know what no choose your battles and choose your battles wisely. How's that? That is excellent, Rock. And I just want to extend our gratitude. Thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you for all of your advice, your stories. It was a pleasure. I know me and Joey didn't talk much, but um, they say, you know, it's it's an honor to sit under the learning tree and you. you just take it in. And, um, you know, and, and obviously when you're on the mic, we don't need to say much because you have all of the answers and all of the questions <laughs> and, <laughs> and all of the knowledge. So, um, again, thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Mr. Wonderful for coming on the show. It was an honor and hopefully you, um, you all do this again with us sometime. Excellent. Just remember as soon as we finish you and everyone listening, go to PayPal and make your donations to rock at Hollywood success.com rock at Hollywood success.com. The more you give, the more successful you will be. All right. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> You're very welcome. And thank you. And we're out of here. Da, 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 da. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was an excellent interview with Rock Riddle. I enjoyed it. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as me and Joey did. Um, it's just, it's amazing to have somebody with that much history and knowledge and that much of a reputation to even want to come on our show. So we are thankful and blessed to have someone like rock come on the air with us. However, he said something tonight or he kept having this theme that he kept talking about that just really stuck with us. And it was, um, another day above ground is a good day. And I just kept talking about that blessing and that honestly, you know, what else do you say to that? Cause he, he ain't lying. Right. You know? So that yeah. made us think of, immediately um, went to a lot of different verses, but one that really stands out is Psalm 118, verse 24. It just says, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. You know, we, this is the day. Every day you wake up is a gift, is a blessing, is a gift from God. You know, you have, you know, strength in your body. You have air in your lungs. You have, you know, your heart's pumping blood. Go and live that day to its fullest and don't let anyone take it away from you. And rejoice that you are God's creation. Um, I don't know what else we can say about that. <laughs> you know, that pretty much sums it up. Yeah, it's it's a good day. Enjoy it. It and and that's what Rock talked about tonight. That's just what we want to encourage you guys today is 
it's a good day. No matter how bad everything else seems, today is the Lord's day. Yes. It's a good day. Um, again, if there's anything you need to talk about, and maybe you are having struggles, maybe it's not doesn't seem like a good day to you, reach out to us. We'd love to talk to you more and encourage you and uh, just pray with you so that you can you can feel and experience the same thing we're talking about of having a good day in the Lord. Um, but right now we want to encourage you to go to our Facebook, go to our Instagram, uh, check us out, like us, comment, get involved. We're posting stuff every week. So be, be a part of the conversation. Also go and put on reviews because Facebook we're blowing up, but we're getting a lot of listens. Like we know we're getting the listens, but we don't know if you like it or not, because you're not commenting or putting any pl- likes or five stars or four stars or even a one star. Uh, put some reviews up. Help us out. Uh, that'll help us uh, move up in the ranks and get us more recognized out there. So hook us up. Thank you so much for joining us. And as always, make sure your passion for wrestling and your family while you keep it going strong, make sure it is never trumping or over top of your passion for God. Peace. Peace.